Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Annalise Anhalt Slaughter. How are you, Annalise? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to see you. Annalise is a 2012 graduate of our program, and she is currently the head of partnerships for fan controlled football. And uh, we are going to get in. I, I told Annalise, I want to get into the weeds on what fan controlled football is all about. It's something that I um, that a lot of a lot of our listeners are probably not familiar with, but it is an, an emerging um, it is an emerging. Uh, what would I say? Movement and emerging like uh example of uh, of everything that I think is so exciting about the marriage of sport and technology. And it's just uh, it's just really cool. But I have admitted to Annalise today that while um, I try to pride myself on staying up with understanding all of these new developments, I'm not 100 percent certain I understand. And so she's going to she's going to fill us in, aren't you, Annalise? I am. I am a an FCF pro at this point. Whenever we have new people join our team, I'm the go-to for our 101 discussion to get them onboarded. So I'm ready. I love you. I love that. And you didn't even I I, I you didn't even tell me that um in advance. And so I love hearing <laughs> that. That you're like though, because you know, I teach one did I teach you for 101? No, I was a transfer student. You were. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but you know, I teach uh, our intro class, which is 101. So I love that Annalise is our 101 for fan controlled football. But let's go back in time first, Annalise. Um, tell us uh, where you're from. I'm from Costa Mesa, California. Costa Mesa. That sounds that sounds Southern California to me. Is that right? It is. Yeah. Orange <laughs> County, right next to Newport Beach. Um, my high school was a quick five mile you know, bike ride down to the beach, um, which was really nice. My senior year when I didn't have anything after lunch, I would just dip out and head down there. Nice. I love <laughs> it. And I, I was kidding. I knew Costa Mesa. <laughs> 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 you know, you would think after 16 years, I'd know a little bit about the geography of California, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm familiar with them, familiar with the OC. So that's great. So um, so shout out. And actually, I I did say to Annalise before before we came on air that I have a friend who is um who is big into the uh NFT world and and um and, and we're gonna talk a little bit about all of that stuff, but uh but he's uh he's in OC, he's OC also. So uh maybe I'll have to connect you guys afterwards. But absolutely um, yeah, for sure. So tell us what your what your parents do growing up. Growing up, so when I was first born, my mom was working at her pediatrician's office doing medical billing, stuff like that. Shout out to Dr. Bellardi. He was the best doctor of all time. Um, my dad was a naval engineer and marine architect. Wow, that is cool. Well, um, you probably did not discover this when you were here, but um, you and Dr. Rue um, have a connection there. Oh, really? Her, yeah. Like that's almost like the identical careers to uh, her parents growing up. Her mom was in medical billing, um, did medical billing and also um, was uh, an admin coordinator at uh, at University of Utah. And her dad was a 
civil military, like wasn't, wasn't engineer, but he was civil military. And so um, there's, there's some, there's definitely a connection there. Yeah. That's awesome. I did not know that. That would have been cool if y'all had, uh, y'all had made that connection when you were here, but uh, all the more reason, right. For us to get (laughs) to know our students better. And uh, this podcast, I learned so much about alumni and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that when you were here. And uh, (laughs) so it's helped me to realize that I need to get closer to students while they're here and know more about them. And, and all of that. So tell us uh, a little bit more about Annalise, what, what it was like growing up there in the OC. Did you have brothers and sisters or were you an only child or what? No, I have an older brother. He's six years older than me, um, which is like a really fun age gap when you're younger because you want to be just like your brother. And he's like, please stay away from me. You're obnoxious. <laughs> Um, and I, <laughs> I also you have, have that in common with Dr. Rue also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have an older brother named Jacob and then I have an older sister from my dad's first marriage. Um, who's absolutely wonderful. Her name is Courtney. Awesome. Awesome. Shout out to Jacob and Courtney. That's great. Well, um, yeah. so tell us what young Annalise was like when you were, uh, taking those trips down to the beach. Did you get into surfing? Were you into what sports were you into or, or, you know, or were you? Yeah, I played soccer um, my entire childhood up through middle school. And then I, I'm not going to lie. I decided that like hanging out with friends after school is more important than <laughs> going to practice. Um, uh-huh. I did tap in ballet. I did horseback riding. Um, I'm a very uncoordinated person. So the only thing I was good at was horseback riding. And that was more of a leisurely type thing. Um, uh-huh. I actually didn't even learn how to surf until I got to Cal Poly. Oh, wow. And, yeah. That's awesome. Well, that, um, we, we've got some some um, connections there too. My daughter, that, that sounds really similar to my daughter. She's not very coordinated. Her <laughs> least favorite class is PE. She comes home every day telling me about how P uh, was terrible and <laughs> because she's not coordinated <laughs> and, uh, and, but she's into horseback riding. I, I got her into a quest. I got her into equestrian. And uh, so, yeah, that's cool. I love it. So um, tell us about um, when you, when you think back, right? Like we, I, I sometimes use this example. You probably heard me use this example. Like what were, what were you at Halloween? Like what was your dream job? Uh, your dream job. Did you dress up like a, uh, uh, you know, um, what, 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 what did you see as your dream job? Yeah. When I was really young, I wanted to be a vet. And then I think when I realized that being a vet was more than just like dogs, cats, and rabbits, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Cause I'm actually deathly afraid of snakes. And so when I thought about that as, as like a potential for me, I was like, yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to switch it up. Um, and then I thought about architecture and, um, even though my dad is an architect, was an architect and an engineer, I am terrible at math, like absolutely terrible. So we crossed that off the list pretty early. I just still liked designing floor plans. Nothing was to scale though. So it was fine. Right. Right. <laughs> I love it. Well, there's another commonality. I hate to keep saying this, Annalise, but uh, my, <laughs> my daughter wants to be a vet right now. <laughs> She's on the vet science team. So uh, uh, I, I love it. I mean, there's always room to change. I, you know, right. I, I changed my major a couple of times and there's just always room to grow and figure out what you're going to do. Exactly. Well, well, during the pandemic, um, I told her after she had watched The Office like three times and Community like twice and then like Friends a couple of times, Brooklyn 911 a couple of times. I was like, 
honey, you have got to find something educational on TV. <laughs> and so I did not realize this, but she dove into the world of vet shows. There's like, okay. there's a couple of vet shows with like 21 seasons um, worth of uh, like real world vet stuff. Right. And so uh, I had to stop going into the living room because, you know, they'd have their hands up, um, you know, a cow yeah. pulling it, pulling a calf out. And I, I do not, I'm, I'm not interested in watching that, but she was like, <laughs> super. she, so she knows what a vet really does. So I don't know. We'll see whether she sticks with it, but, uh, <laughs> but tell us the path to Cal Poly, you know, down in Costa Mesa, when you say Cal Poly, um, you're thinking of, uh, Pomona, um, how did you hear about Cal Poly and what was the process like uh, for, for getting here to San Luis Obispo? Oh, this is a wild ride. Um, so I was set to go to the University of Oregon uh, after, right out of high school. And the week of my graduation, my dad was like, you know, I, I'm not going to co-sign on student loans for out-of-state tuition. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I would have loved to know this before I sent in my letter of intent <laughs> or even applied. Um, right. And I, I had heard about Cal Poly, I not at like a college fair. I think I had um, a good friend of mine that went there uh, right out of college or right out of high school a few years prior. And um, I knew that my grades were not like Cal Poly level in high school. I was like a solid 3.4 student and was, was not going to even bother with like paying the fee for the application. Right. Um, and so when my dad was like, yeah, no, Oregon, Oregon's not going to happen. Um, we went to uh, the day after my grad night. So I like, I get back at 6am, I go home, I shower, he and I hit the road, head up to San Luis Obispo, um, go meet up with a friend of mine and meet with people at Cuesta and Cal Poly um, so I had heard from other people that I had made friends with that were at Cal Poly that um, took classes at Cuesta, that a lot of the same professors were there. There's a higher attrition rate. Um, so we went, went and met with them. And my dad and I made a deal that if I stayed at home and went to Orange, Camp, Orange Coast College for a year and helped my mom with her mom, who was you know ill at the time, mm -hmm. he would support me to do a year of JC up at Cuesta and then transfer into Cal Poly. Right. So did that, um, applied into the business program and didn't get into Cal Poly. So then I was like, oh my God, I didn't get in. What am I going to do? We make a new deal. I'm getting a job. I'm supporting my, I'm supporting like my rent and all my bills and everything. He's covering tuition. Um, I do another year at, at Cuesta. And at that point, I kind of realized that a lot of my life, I had been like the planner of my friend group uh -huh. and that event management was a thing I could get a degree in. I was like totally right. mind blown by that. Right. Um, and so I, you know, I prepared myself to not get into Cal Poly again. I applied to Cal Poly and then a bunch of other schools um, that, to be honest, were like big football programs. Right. And um it was the year, it was 2011 or it was tw fall of 2010 when I applied. Uh -huh. So it was when we were going to state budgetary things where there was like, hey, you can apply for spring, but if we don't get funding, we'll defer your enrollment to the fall. Ah. But if we do get the funding, you can come in the spring. And so I, on a whim, I was like, fine, I'll, I'll try for spring. We'll see what happens. And then I think I was one of 11 students 
that got into the program awesome. and I was so thrilled. And then I um, was actually like joking around, like who, who did I have to pay off to make that happen? Right. Um, because I didn't know how it, how it worked, uh, but I got in and I was so excited. And so um, awesome. I had already gotten acceptance letters from the other schools. And as soon as I knew I was in the Cal Poly, I was like, screw it. I'm here. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm already here in San Luis Obispo. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cuesta is such a great partner along those lines. I love that. So let's talk about your time at Cal Poly. Um, you know, I like asking this question, like what's, what's an enduring memory? Like what, what, what stands out? Is there, is there something like a, uh, you know, a morning hike to bishops or a you know particular party or whatever it might be that really sticks out as an enduring memory during your time here there there are a lot of those that um i had to i thought about this last night and i was like some of these are not podcast appropriate um <laughs> <laughs> but i will say the, the thing that i think sticks out most uh was the morning of graduation Hmm. I had gone to the bars at 6am with my family as everyone seems to do. Right. And we kind of lost track of time. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss my own graduation ceremony. (laughs) And so, and there was, we were hitting every red light from downtown back to campus and uh, where those new dorms are overlooking the field um, where it used to be a big parking structure. I had my, my mom dropped me off there and I sprinted barefoot in my cap and gown down, <laughs> <laughs> down to the ceremony um, and made it there like maybe two minutes to go before we had to walk in. And oh, I saw awesome. Dr. Hendricks. He's like, you made it. I was kind of worried because I didn't see you. Oh, <laughs> and he gives worse. me this huge hug and he like pats my back and then like pulls away and looks at me. And he's like, is that a flask in the back of your in the back of your gown? And I was like. I mean, it might be He's like, please, please don't use that during the ceremony. And I was like, okay, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. I am sure Dr. Hendricks uh, will remember that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I may have been the reason that new policies were implemented uh, for ceremonies afterwards. (laughs) So I'm so sorry to future grads. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting one because, um, we did have some issues uh, where <laughs> at one point, uh, and I remember we we had um we had one I won't name his name, um, but um we had one student who came back like several years and would just come back just for the party and would sit with the graduates like his friends that were <laughs> that were graduating right, and we were like, dude, are you here again? Like, what are you doing? You got to stop coming and partying at graduations, you know. But uh, but anyway, it was kind of funny. That's so uh, I, I love that. Now let's talk about your experience, right? In terms of professional development, um, <laughs> is there anything that stuck out during your time here at Cal Poly that you did that that you think back and you go, "Wow, that really that really helped propel me in my career." Absolutely. So the uh, that spring quarter of twenty eleven. I went, I was in one of, I think I had two or three classes with Ken B at the time. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Professor Root. Yes. And so she had mentioned we were, there was a group of students going um, to the California Travel and Tourism Symposium. I Mm -hmm. think that's what it was called. That's it. Um, 
I went with a group of students and granted I was new, like everyone that was in the department all kind of knew each other because they'd been there since they were freshmen. So I was definitely like, all right, Hey, I'm, I'm the new kid. Let's go. go. (laughs) Um, and I met, uh, the current or at the time, the city manager for the city of Newport beach. And he was like, Oh, you're interested in football. You're in event management. Let me connect you with Homer Bludow, who was the executive director for a relevant week. Uh Um, If you're not familiar with the relevant week, uh, it was started by this man, Paul Salata. The whole idea is to do something nice for no reason at all, where he would honor the last draft pick of the NFL. So they would have, uh, because you know the draft is three days long and like nobody really watches it till the end um the last draft pick they bring out this jersey it's got you know the pick number which i think is like 253 um and then mr irrelevant on the back yeah and they bring him out to newport beach for a week where they take him to disneyland there's like a big parade for him whether it's on the street or um the year that i was there they had done it as like a boat parade um, and then they do what they call the Lozman banquet. So it's the trophy is a guy fumbling the football and Mr. Irrelevant gets roasted by a bunch of former NFL players, coaches, and referees. No way. Um, it's, it's a really fun thing. Um, and so he introduced I had no me to idea Homer. this existed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and so he introduced me to Homer. I did an unofficial internship with him that summer. Um, and had just like the greatest time doing that. I bet that sounds like so much fun. Well, when, when you said that, I was like, that can't be the same thing. That can't be Mr. Irrelevant. Like uh, those Mm -hmm. of us who are sports fans, we know that that term, right? Mr. Irrelevant is the last pick in the NFL draft, you know? And it's always like one of those things where you're like, Mr. Irrelevant, like to be drafted in the NFL is just insanely good like you've got to be insanely good to be drafted right so that the label Mr. Irrelevant came mm-hmm. about was kind of ridiculous right and so I love I love that story that they made it um that, that they made it into a thing and that's uh what a what a fabulous idea who is who's the what's the name again let's give him another shout out Paul Salata he passed away last oh. year I believe uh, oh. his daughter Melanie Fitch has been running the organization um, prior to his passing. Uh, But so she does a great job with it. She was stepping in as um, the leader of the organization, I think a year or two before I joined them. Um, But the year that I was there, I think it was Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews, uh, formerly of the Packers Uh is a third. So his father and grandfather Oh. And then his brother and him were all there to help do the roasting, which was uh, really fun. And that's then cool. Matt Willig, who I can't remember what team he played for, um, but he's an actor now. He's actually in the new season of Young Rock, I think, was what I had like read. Um, and he's this man is larger than life. And just like watching him just rip on this poor defensive end that had gotten drafted last that year. Right. It was so funny. I couldn't, it was one of like the, one of the highlights for sure. I had helped out with a lot of the planning and then uh, right. had the option to like attend as a guest for the gala. Right. Awesome. That's very cool. So now you've, you've mentioned football a few times. What's your, and, and we're going to be obviously talking uh, what you're doing now with fan control football. Tell everybody your connection to football. What, what, uh, how did you get to, into football? 
Um, so my father is a huge fan of, of the NFL. He was a Saints fan. He was from the uh, southernmost city in Mississippi. Mm. So New Orleans was like the best option for him to find a football team, uh-huh. um, which is like not great in Southern California in the 90s trying to catch <laughs> Saints games. Right. 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 Um, so when we caught them, it was great. And then when we couldn't, we would watch Chargers games and throw our support behind them. Uh-huh. Um, still a diehard Saints fan. Um, you know, I was in San Luis Obispo when they won the Super Bowl, had a big party at the house. Yeah. I was the only one rooting for the Saints. For Everyone the Saints? else was rooting for the Colts, which was so ridiculous. I was like, you come into my house yeah, I'm throwing and you the don't party? root for my team? Exactly. <laughs> what in the world? Have some respect, right? Exactly. So, so let's talk about um, uh, com- coming out of Cal Poly. Like, uh, I loved asking about the internship and, and what you did and what that experience was like, how you found it, those sorts of things. You've already told us about one internship, but tell us about your official one. What ended up being your official one? My official one was with USA Water Polo. Right. Um, so I had actually started another unofficial internship with them in the summer of 2012, mm-hmm. right as the Olympic teams were named. Um, and then did my official internship three months later um, with them. So I was with them as an intern for six months before uh, joining them full time. But right. it was I mean, it was chaos and it was fun and I was exhausted. I was sunburned. I was having a great time. It was, (laughs) I think everything you could expect from an Olympic sports internship in an Olympic year. Right. Wow. That's, that's wild. What was, do you have an enduring takeaway during your your time with, with USA water polo that you learned? I mean, number one, always have sunscreen on a, on a pool deck. Um, I'm super (laughs) fair skinned. I got burned all the time. Um, but honestly, just be like ready to jump into anything and know that a plan A is not always going to be your final plan. Yeah, good. That's a great one. So let's get to fan controlled football. All right. Um, so give us that 101. First of all, I just want to remind the, the listeners that 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 Annalise is currently the head of partnerships um, for fan controlled football, and she's worked her way up. She's worked um, for almost almost four years now. And you, you said that fan control football is going into its second official year. Is that right? Or season? yes. Yeah. yeah. So tell us what it is. Um, and, and then we'll get in later to what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So fan control football. Um, oh man, it is everything a disgruntled football fan could dream of. Uh, <laughs> we put the fans entirely in control. Um, so the game itself is seven on seven football on a 50 yard field. The only major difference between, uh, what we're doing and any other football league is that we don't have special teams or kicking. Um, Ah. has there ever been an exciting end to a football game that ended with a kick with a field goal or an extra point? It's not as exciting. So, uh, we kind of eliminated that from the rule book. Um, And even though we're only about to embark on our second season, we have been around for a while. Uh, The the four co-founders, Saurabh, Ray, Grant, and Patrick, uh, they had actually bought a proof of concept team and indoor football league Ah. and let the fans pick the expansion city, pick the name, um, which, so they were in Salt Lake City. They were named the Screaming Eagles. They were 
almost Teamy McTeam face or the Storm and Mormons. <laughs> um, so like the merch could have been iconic. Wow. Uh, and the fans, you know, they dropped, they were scouting players. They hired the coach, then they fired the coach and then they hired a new coach. Um, and all in all, it was pretty, pretty much a success. Uh, you know, they didn't win the championship that year, but their quarterback they scouted from YouTube was the, uh, offensive rookie of the year, which is insane. And the guys really wanted to help turn the indoor football league into the interactive football league. And the existing owners did not love that idea. So they decided to start their own league. And that's how FCF was created. Um, we, you know, we're a startup for sure. And we had had a couple of false starts for the league where we thought, this is it. We're getting our funding. We're going to do the season. And then something would happen and, and it wouldn't happen. Um, so there was a lot of grinding. And then when we got our seed rounds, we, uh, number one, we're thrilled that like people agreed that this crazy idea was something they wanted to invest in. Right. And we had our first season last year. Um, we started with four teams, fans picked the, uh, the team name, they submitted team names and then ultimately voted on the final team name. They designed and submitted logos. Um, they were drafting players each week. They were calling plays on game day. They were voting on league rules and it was, I think it was insane for a first season. And for that to all happen during a pandemic was like, even crazier for all of us. Um, right. <laughs> while so many, unfortunately, while so many businesses were suffering during the pandemic, that was what helped us get our funding in the first place. There was this huge hole in sports and entertainment. And we had a plan for a football league that was going to be in a very self-contained environment. We right. literally rented out an entire hotel. It was only our players and staff. Um, if I had gone to Atlanta for the games, I would have not been allowed in that hotel. Like you had to quarantine, you had to test multiple times. Right. Um, so when we landed some, you know, big name players to come and join us, like Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon, it was number one crazy just because we got them to agree to like the period in which they had to quarantine and then stay in that hotel after the fact. Right. Um, <laughs> given uh, Johnny Manziel's reputation. We were not sure how that was going to go and it went really well. Fans awesome. were excited to see him suit up. Right. Um, and uh, one of the main factors here is that all of the teams play in one location. So where other leagues are spending all of this budget on t &E, we have everyone in one location. Fans are not selecting their, their preferred teams based off of where they're based out of. They're choosing based off of their team owners. So we have celebrity team owners. Um, in season one, season one, we had the Glacier Boys, which was Quavo from the group Migos, Richard Sherman, uh, YouTube star Destroying, and Twitch streamer Aiden Ross. We had the Beast with Marshawn Lynch, Renee Montgomery, and Miro. Um, we had the Zappers, which is Bob Mennery. He's actually the one who got Johnny into the league. Uh -huh. uh, with Dalvin Cook and Trevor May and Ronnie 2K. And then we had the Wild Aces who were headed up by an internet group uh, called Kind of Funny, uh, joined by Austin Eckler, 
Jack Settleman, Barbara Dunkelman, and Rachel Lindsay. So, wow, a lot of star power there. Yeah. Um, and now that we are going into our second season, we've expanded to eight teams. Uh, so we have four new teams. They are um, controlled by the Ballers Collective. We've launched NFTs. So in order to call the shots for these four expansion teams, you have to own one of the NFTs associated to that team. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I knew that. I wanted to ask you about the Ballers Collective because I see that pop up. And I have to admit, Annalise, I... <laughs> <laughs> I I have only I I saw the NFT stuff and so I actually thought that this was fan controlled video game. I thought it was mm-hmm. I thought it was easy. This is real football. I didn't realize it was real football until you just started talking like 5 minutes ago and I was like and so see <laughs> I got the 101. Yeah. So I saw the NFTs and I saw when I pulled up the website I thought it was I was thinking that the fans were controlling it in terms of like the video game aspect mm-hmm. of it. Right. And then I thought you had NFTs like somehow integrated in. And so now I see that um, I, I get it a little bit more. So explain the NFT and the Ballers Collective, because I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. Yeah. So the Ballers Collective is probably the first thing that will pop up when you're searching for FCF because it is something we just launched and we have a ton of placements around it. Right. Um, so the collective is the four teams uh, that have NFTs uh, as part of like the key to getting into that team. Mm-hmm. Um, we pride ourselves on the fact that our NFTs are more than just a JPEG. Um, they come with IRL benefits. So we've been rolling these out. Um, there are certain traits that will unlock different features for you. So some of them will be something like giving your vote on game day when you're calling plays, uh, you know, more weight to them. There's a multiplier attached to it. Other items uh, that are probably a little bit more exciting, as an example, we have a few that have um, like a wrestling championship belt on. And if you own one of the NFTs that has that belt, you can, if you're in Atlanta, you can lead your team down the ramp on game day and it like run out with them almost like a flag bearer oh wow yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) right talk about activating Um, the nft i like it (laughs) yeah so we we definitely wanted there to be serious utility tied to these um and we have a great head of web3 uh named sean smolo who's been working really hard on on making all of that uh, an insane experience for anyone who decides to purchase a baller yeah, I can see there. That's that is really really cool. I love that page more than just a pretty JPEG, and uh, you see all the different things that you could potentially get, like a year's supply of bubble gum. I mean, mm-hmm. that's hilarious. Um, yeah. a, a free tattoo. Um, wow, oh, that was that was a recently announced one. Um, so we, you know, we're on social. We're also on Discord. Uh-huh. We have some fans that I would consider to be more super fans or super engaged on every platform. Mm-hmm. And this one, this one fan in particular uh, goes by Info Arcade. He got a baller that has the face tat uh, trait. So he gets the free tattoo. Uh-huh. He came up with four designs of what tattoo he would get and let uh-huh. the other fans vote on it in our discord. This oh, week. I love it. I'm not so, kidding. So he kept it's, the fan controlled aspect going. I love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're rolling out the list. Uh, there's a lot more exciting stuff coming. Um, I think there's something getting announced later today, to be honest. I don't know which one it is. Right. Um, right. But the idea is that we're, you know, releasing these uh, these traits and their different benefits um, on like a continuous basis to get people really excited about it. Right. So let's talk about this aspect, Annalise. I think this is uh, super exciting. Um, so you know how they've said for many years that minor league baseball is like the testing ground for like major league baseball, right? And that mm-hmm. and that like promotions that that um, start at the minor league level and then they eventually maybe will meet reach the major leagues. Do you see? Um, do you see? fan control football is, is almost being like this testing ground for, for how to push the envelope um, with this marriage of, of, of technology and engagement and um, you know, this new world of, of, of people wanting to be truly engaged with their teams where they don't get that. They don't get that experience from um, from the major professional sports franchises. Do you see fan control football pushing um, the major professional uh, leagues into this direction? I do. Um, we've had conversations with some of them. I sure. cannot say which ones. Uh, if of course. I, our CEO is known for being like the person who leaks information. Um, so I'm doing a really, I'm trying really hard to not be that today. Right. Um, we have spoken with some leagues and I think that ultimately leagues are starting to test out new rules. Um, they want to find new ways to connect with their fans. And if we're inspiring them to do that, all the better. Um, I think that a lot of times people have asked like, well, do you feel like you're competing with the NFL? And that's, it's not that it's a competition. What we're doing right. is very different. It's a different audience. But if what we're doing helps other leagues think about the way they engage with their fans, I think that's a huge plus for everyone. I love it. And um, uh, I uh, I also love that you're not distracted at all by the the, the dog barking in the background <laughs> am, there. Yeah, I'm you, so sorry. That's my dog, you, Moose. You're um, like, uh, I'm trying to, you, you have a really good poker face, I will say <laughs> there. You know, you just kept talking and he's just like barking his head off and you're like, Nope, I'm not going to let you do that to me today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I think no, uh, the delivery oh, guy is here based on the uh, ring camera notification I just got. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, I know uh, I know how mine is and I've got a little one. It sounds like sounds like you've got a big one. Uh, <laughs> so. He's he's a large golden doodle and he, uh, you know, he is a total beta. He would never attack anyone, but no, his bark yeah. is so, so deep and menacing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's good. You, we like that, right? You know, that's, it's good to let people know like, Hey, I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he had started barking when you were speaking, this would have been different because I could have muted myself and pulled him over here. I know, um, right. He waited till I was in the middle of something. Of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah. But uh, no problem at all. I, I, you know, I love what you just said. I mean, like, you know, and and like we like we talked about with minor league baseball. I mean, minor league baseball is not like they're competing with major league baseball, right? They're they're it's a it's it, it helps, right? And so I love that, and I love that pushing the envelope. And um, 
for those who have not checked out fan control football, you definitely need to, because I I've been checking it out and, um, just some really, really cool things. And, and, um, let's talk now about like what you're doing as head of partnerships. So that must be, that must be super exciting. I mean, to be able to, um, to be able to, to think about like the companies and the, 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 the synergy, uh, with the, the league and with the teams and, and the partners that you, that you roll in, what's that been like? What do you do on a daily basis? That sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I started with FCF, it was entirely meant to be a temporary role. Um, I was filling in for somebody while they were on vacation. The guys liked me. They wanted me to stay. Um, and my background has been in partnerships at water polo. I was there for five years in partnerships, uh, two times you, I was there for a year in partnerships. And then here, um, you know, I, when we finally got our seed round, I was able to focus on partnerships and we had had somebody else take over social and communications and trying to get it to quiet down. Uh, we had had somebody take, take that over. Um, they ultimately were not a fit and decided to leave. And at that point we were so close to the season starting that the founders were like, can we just throw you back into this? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I guess like this was right. not my ideal scenario, but sure. Why not? Right. Um, and so did that for a year. And then when we got our series, a funding, um, which we announced in January, we closed in, in December, which was a huge moment for everyone that's been putting years of their lives into this. Right. Um, they were like, all right. So last year, our, you know, our goals were to focus on engagement and now we want to focus on revenue. So we're throwing you back to partnerships. And I was like, all right, let's Let go. I'm ready. Um, so my primary functions are really uh, working with our distribution partners. You know, Twitch is our uh, exclusive streaming partner, but we do have distribution deals with NBCLX, Peacock, um, DAZN. I can't say the, uh, we have one more coming. I don't think that they'll be announced by the time this airs, uh, but there are more platforms that you'll be able to catch our games on live, which is really exciting. Um, and also helping with a lot of helping out with some of the web three stuff. Um, but ultimately like working to help elevate all of the revenue team as a whole. So I work really closely with our head of sponsorships as well. Um, having the institutional knowledge that I do of FCF after being here for so long really helps uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to brainstorming new concepts for different partners. So gotcha. um, that's the role. I mean, a daily, nothing is ever the same day to day, which I feel like people say all the time. Right. Um, there's like the stuff that you don't love to do, right? Like where you're doing reporting or following up on whether or not we can meet at this time. Um, and then there's a lot of creativity that we get to do. Um, the nut, the great thing about being at a startup is that everyone's opinion really is taken into effect. Like you may not, your opinion may not be the final answer on something, but your opinion is heard, which is really refreshing. Um, after being at like an NGB where things are definitely more structured and there's, you know, rules a lot, the same, it's the same way with a lot of leagues too. Um, so it's refreshing to be able to, you know, have a voice there. And, um, you know, right before this, I was on a call with one of our new partners talking about some exciting new, um, content we are producing just for them, uh, with a really 
big name players. So I'm, I'm thrilled that I get to be a part of discussions like that. And then other days I'm, you know, like helping out with people that are getting onboarded and helping them understand what we're doing and who's the go-to for each person around here, that sort of thing. Right. That's cool. I love it. So, um, as you're talking, I, I, I you probably know this that, that I'm a big fantasy fantasy sports guy, right? So I've been mm-hmm. I've been playing fantasy baseball since 1992, and of course, fantasy football since like 1998. And so I wonder if um are have you have you formed any partnerships along those lines? Um, have there been like what what is the the league's perspective on, on that or sports betting or any of those things? Betting is something that is absolutely in our future. Um, I if I were a betting woman, I would say that fans <laughs> could probably expect to see lines set on our games by championship weekend at the latest. Um, you know, it's something that we all really want to have happen. It's just a matter of finding not only finding the right partner, but we're also, you know, talking with gaming commissions and yeah, doing everything more to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just finding a sponsor for it. It's uh, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of conversations we have with legal about it. Um, it's something that's definitely coming and it's a priority, I think for a lot of us, um, you know, we all play fantasy we all talk trash during NFL season. Like we're just roasting the hell out of each other on a regular basis. So (laughs) um, it's something that like has to happen, even if it's not the best. No, it's great for the league, but even if it wasn't great for the league, like we all want it so bad that we're going to make it happen. (laughs) Right. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Well, yeah, you know, and, and what I, what I have discovered is that is just a way to, you know, ultimately you're trying to build a more engaged fan, right? And that's, that's ultimately what fan control football is all about. And, um, and that's definitely a way to, to increase the engagement. So I imagine, um, you know, uh, I, I would imagine that would help even more. Um, although, you know, it's hard to get more engaged than being able to call the plays and being able yeah. to draft the teams and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so getting to draft the players each week is like its own, amazing thing like we have guys in training camp they reported this week um so we have 175 guys in the marriott in uh buckhead just outside of atlanta um god bless them all god bless the the entire marriott staff for dealing with everything because we have taken that hotel over there is signage everywhere i love it um but you know, fans are getting to know the players at the same time we are from an operations perspective. So Uh we're doing our best to create like a full block of content that allows the fans to engage with these guys before we even get to the season. And they have an idea of what these guys look like on the field. Right. I should have said, when is the season? I should have asked you that first. Yeah. uh, April 16th. Starts April 16th. Yeah. First snap is April 16th. We are 29 days away. No reason to panic or get stressed out. <laughs> well, and um, I apologize for like uh, getting you. Uh, well, <laughs> this is so great. Wait, wait, when did you say again? April 16th. Awesome. So your your podcast airs uh, April 18th. Uh, so right. that's uh, and actually, you know, I, I may even um, I may even 
switch it so that we can get before before it kicks off so uh <laughs> i would love that personally yeah, there you um, go. but if we bring in people if we have a whole new influx of uh you know viewers week two i'll know why it was because you, of this. right right exactly um, <laughs> we can say the podcast exactly exactly I love it. Well, thank you so much for um, for taking the time today. And I feel I do now feel terrible for <laughs> taking up time right before the season starts. You've got, like a month, you've got a month to go and you're giving me an hour. I, uh, I cannot believe you did that. But thank you so much for coming on and really appreciate it, um, Annalise. And um, I, I will. I hope that uh, our listeners reach out and engage with fan control football and just want to thank you for your time. Yeah. I mean, we're always looking for interns. Um, so please slide into those DMs on LinkedIn. There you um, go. I will connect you with our new uh, director of people, Dan Hartman. I need interns. I love interns. I've been an intern. So let's, let's get it going. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much, Annalise. Have an awesome yeah. day. You too. Thanks. Yeah.